Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Achtung Millwall supports the Lions Food Hub and all of our advertising revenues will be donated to support this fantastic initiative. It's now based at the Lions Centre on Bolina Road and it's run by our own Kelly Webster. This is a friendly food bank supporting families in the Bermondsey and SE16 area. If you can help support the Lions Food Hub in any way, please visit at Lions Food Hub on Twitter or get in touch with us at Achtung Millwall. The Lions Food Hub. Come on, you Lions. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Except no sandwiches. Hello, 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 dear listeners. Welcome to the last Achtung Millwall of the pre-season. Looming ahead is the is, is the great expanse of the football EFL season lying ahead. Joining me to chew over the card for this final pre-season show is star of Radio 5, Mr. Aaron Paul. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Mick, I may not be a very good in the beat test, but I'll tell you something, I'll drink anyone pint for pint under the table. <laughs> That's my pre-season sorted. <laughs> Good to have you back on the show, Aaron. And also joining us in his referee shirt is the no, is a full referee wanker himself. It's Mr. Michael Michael Avery. Welcome to the show. I took t- 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 the shorts off, and that would actually be. Um, um, we don't need to see that. that. that, that, that would, not shorts, the socks. I don't need to see that. That would actually be classed as the Saint Nick as well. So yeah, ten minutes in the for you. Yellow card for me. Just want to make two points that. Two points on that. Firstly, that's the first time I've ever heard Mick swear. Yeah. <laughs> Three, four years and I know him. Secondly, Michael Avery's got no shorts when he's sat on his marital bed. We yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to see this. Michael really is wearing a referee's shirt, at least. I, I, we don't need to know what else is going on out of out of the um mm. the screen on our on our Zoom call. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on a Sunday afternoon. We are speaking at the end of um an interesting little pre-season period, really. I mean, um, I, I must admit, after Gillingham in the week, Michael, you went to the Priestfield Stadium and you did me some audio. So maybe we'll cut away in a moment to have a listen to Michael's audio. But that was, I was, I was feeling a little bit downbeat after that one-all draw at the Jules, only to be, um, you know, to have my world rocked by semi-Barcelona comparisons yesterday when we won three-nil at Portman Road. How did you find the, the midweek performance, mate? Do you know what, in truth, I think the only, you wouldn't say real positive, but 
it, it wasn't really about the game as silly as it sounds. It was about the fans being back in the ground. Mm. And that's when I, I'm, I'll, put, I'll put in the voice notes and messages I sent over to you. It was good to have the fans together. It was a good atmosphere. You know, Millwall fans, yes, we were drinking out of date beer, but we seemed to be behaving <laughs> ourselves and all that. But 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 ultimately, um, on the pitch was we, we we had a good we had a good quarter of an hour. Um, and as as I said, we had a good quarter, opening quarter of an hour. But I think I'm not sure whether it was a mixture of just like a I don't know like a bit of fatigue, maybe coming back from pre uh, pre season training, not being matched up yet. But after the 15 minutes, um, you know, Gillingham scored. It took the took the wind out of our sails a bit, and and the game itself turned into a bit of like a damp squib. There didn't seem to be much direction. There didn't seem to be much actual final penetration in the final third of the game. Afobe was okay in the first half. He just looked very enthusiastic and lively. Smith actually had a good second 45 minutes rather than the sort of last 15, 20 minutes he normally gets the game. But yeah, in, in truth, in truth, I think if we would have played against Gillingham in the opening five, six games of the season, then yes, obviously we, we would have been a bit worrying. But as you say, those those goals that we scored against uh, against Ipswich that we saw online, they were fantastic, weren't they? And you do feel slightly more confident now. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, I mean, pre-season is always notorious in my experience. Results in pre-season mean, mean absolutely nothing, really. Um, unless you get beat and then suddenly they mean everything, in which case, you know, you go around in circles with it. But um, a 3-0 win at Ipswich... League one opposition, you could argue, but I mean that's 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 a decent start. I mean, how do you how do you find um, pre-season? I always find that a bit of a it's, it's a real drag. You just can't wait to get into the real thing, such as next week. You know, when it when it really begins. You know, I, I I'll be honest with you, I can't wait till next weekend. I'm so buzzing for next weekend. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was going to watch Millwall, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to elsewhere. But just I'm buzzing for competitive action with fans to be back. You know, just that noise. It's, it's going to be it's going to be something really, really brilliant. The preseason's a weird one because, you know, unfortunately the Twitterati, mm. um, you know, they they sit and they rest on preseason results. And you know, if someone gets beat one nil or two nil by you know a club that's below them. They start shutting themselves. I think yesterday though, the Ipswich game that really sort of livened things up, didn't it? It certainly put some some buzz around the Millwall scene online, which was starting to flag a little bit. I thought after. Um, some some sluggish starting, you know, workout games is pre-season at the end of the day. That's all it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the football that we played yesterday seemed to me to be quite um, quite interesting. I'm just looking at um, a number of um, takeaways from the game. I think this is on London News Online, and one of the things they've picked up on, which I, I am interested to see the new season with Danny McNamara. I think that Danny is. A real mm. prospect. He seems to have, um, on, on quality Frost. terms, he's edged out Marlon Romeo. No mean achievement to have done that. And one of the points I raised yesterday from from the game is um, is is his linkage with with Jed Wallace. What's that you've got there? What's, what's uh, Leicester that? City Spring Water. I think. Leicester City Spring Water. Um, what's okay. yeah. <laughs> Link up play between Jed Wallace and and McNamara. I mean, Jed's contractual situation is still. Um, in the air, I think a lot would, would depend on our, um, our promotion push this season, but um, we'll, we'll see on that front. But that's a nice sounding problem to have, isn't it? Marlon Romeo or, or, or McNamara joining up with Jed Wallace on the right side. Great goal for him yesterday, by the way. Yeah, nicely taken, Great wasn't goal. it? And some <clears> nice build up play for the for Benic Afobe as well, there, um, Michael, as well. In, in, I think he got two, didn't he, yesterday? Yeah, and this this goes back to what we were saying before, where 
a faux bay, or not before today, but before a few weeks back, when a faux bay does have class. He, he is a good, good player. I think he's he's one of these players who, unfortunately, um, I mean, he was at Stoke, wasn't he, a couple of Stoke? seasons ago? Yeah, he was, he, yeah, yeah. He, was at, he was at the sort of football graveyard of careers that is Stoke City, and then he went, <laughs> then he went out to, um, I believe, he went out to Bristol City, didn't he, the season after, and he and he got injured, and it didn't work out well from there. And like we said before, Nick, all, all you need is a Ben Akafobe who, who hits a bit of form to sort of rub the green goes for him. And you've arguably got a 15, 20 goal season striker there. He's he proved in the past he's done it. And, and, you know, he's had some some tragedies in his personal life, which we won't no. go into too much. He just, he, he, he scored two goals in pre-season. He looks, he looks sharp. He's shown that if he actually gets a decent level of service, he knows where the back of the net is. And... And two and what two two goals the week before your first game of the season when, you know you you, you even though she's on loan but the, your team and your teammates are predicted to have a pretty decent, you know run in the table and and sort of finish in in the top half. Who's to say you won't get you fifteen twenty goals? Tell you what, Michael. What's interesting about Fobe is you talk about his uh, his period of Stoke. Yeah, when he signed with Stoke, he was one of one, two, three, four, five six, seven strikers there. They have yeah. Ojan, Torres, Campbell, Peter Crouch, Mame, Biram, Juseido, Berrinho. Remember him? Remember mm, him? Yeah, big prospect uh, at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah Sam Vogt and, and Ben Akafobe. Yeah, he but, played a lot of games, he scored eight goals, but there was a lot of rotation. Everyone got a lot of games in that side. Now, he went to Bristol City, and yes, he went out on loan, he got injured, whatever, but he was never going to Bristol City to be the number one striker. They usually play with one striker. They play like a three with two wingers and a striker. Or they'll yeah. play like five, uh, five, two, three, or something like that. Whatever they'll play, they'll play about five. But he was always going to go there to be behind uh, Jeju because he was the big money signing. So this is the first time that Ben Akafobe is coming into a club in a few years where he's like, right, I'm number one. I'm kingpin. Yeah. Bob Varson, yeah. see ya. Bradshaw, see ya. Matt Smith, twenty minutes off the bench holding your back. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, Ben Akafobe is going to be the main boy. Now, this is completely different. Let's think back to 12 months ago where we were sitting, sort of like, you know, shitting ourselves over Troy Parrott, going, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. Who's now joined the uh, the Dons, who cannot be spoken of. No, well, no, they're not less. They're going to change their name to MK City, by the way. You know that. He's going to try and pull a fast one. This could be the season where, you know, he actually puts himself back in contention. But one thing that worries me is, one, he's on loan, yeah? There's no guarantees he's going to be there next season. Two... And I wanted to raise this later. I still think that this squad is going to run into the same problems of the last two years, which is you have a really decent run of form and then you have a slump because everyone's knackered, because Mm -hmm. everyone is finished. I still think the squad is two, three players short. I don't know about you guys. I think it's still a quality forward short, someone creative in midfield maybe, and maybe someone on, on sort of one of the wings. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I do sort of half agree with that. You can see where we're missing one or two. I think um, uh, it, the chat we brought in on home from Arsenal, the centre-half, uh, remind Ballard, me his name. Daniel uh, Ballard. Ballard, that yeah. we brought in on loan. Yeah, so Ballard we've gotten on loan. Yes, he's, he's done well there. Um, he did well against um, he did well against Gillingham. But again, I do feel we're probably a centre-half short. Um, a lot of people are mentioning against Gillingham. Um, and with all due respect, I know even might, and there's probably more people who dislike him more than like him. But Alex Pierce got an awful, awful lot of time against Gillingham for a player who's meant to be bit part. You know, Jake Cooper was on the bench a long time. Um, and also as well, 
it was mentioned, not not just by me, uh, so I'm not going to take all these products and seem like I'm some kind of mastermind. I know I put it in the voice notes, Nick, but we were very, very reliant, again, on that long ball. Long ball, yeah. I, But we were very reliant on that long ball up to Matt Smith that he, that he knocked down to Bradshaw or, or out wide. And as we said at Gillingham, and some of the fans said at Gillingham, that was our emergency tactics when we're 2-1 down, 2-0 down, not not 1-0 down against yeah. the league on Saturday in the pre-season. I mean, so the goals we scored out. at Ipswich looked impressive, Michael. I mean, the, there was um, the move, I think, I, I don't know if it was a Phobie's first or second goal. I think it was his first goal. And we seemed to hold possession for some time, knocking it around from midfield, back and forth, and then working one side, down the left side, and the ball in, and, you know, the shot on target, which was spilled to, to a Phobie. So, I mean, I... Th- I would imagine, and I, 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 I'm guessing that um, Rowett is, is seeing the same things that we're seeing. You, you, you can't build a season based on hitting Max Smith and, and then knocking it down for Tom Bradshaw. It, yesterday gave me a little bit more faith that there is a, a main plan, and that is you know possession-based football to some level. Um, and then, you know, hopefully a phobia, possibly one other. Because, I mean, they, they, you keep, I keep seeing these... these um, Reports that when we ship out Ben Thompson to Pompey, not not if, but when, and JDB being the, uh, you know, I think the more people talk about him going, the more they believe it might happen. I don't know if there's any any real prospects for him not being at the, at the club, and that will allow someone to come in. Um, big week ahead, possibly, on that front. I don't know. Um, certainly, I, I agree with you, Aaron, that goal scoring at some stage is going to become... A problem. I think I think as a player who's going to have a big season for this year again is going to be um is going to be George Stable because it's very it's very strange. Obviously these are professional footballers and these are professional players and you know they you know they play a level of the game only some of us can dream of um or well, most of us can dream of to be fair. But you know when you just look at a player and you think you you just you just you just present yourself as a player you carry yourself as a player. You've just got it about you. Now, when George Savile came on against Gillingham, unfortunately, I weren't at the Ipswich game. So, you know, if he had a mare, please correct me. But the game seems to change when Savile was brought on. He seemed a lot more composed on the ball than Thompson. He seemed a lot more composed on the ball than other centre midfielders. And I think, as I just said, it will be a big, big season. And again, unless I'm mistaken from what I saw online, I don't think it's much of a coincidence. We actually played a better, more flowing way of football and um, and the game when George Savile played a bigger part and certainly against Gillingham when he was introduced he, he looked a lot better um, as a side I think yeah I mean I mean Alex Grace was writing it was, that was the previous report for uh, the, the points the takeaway points from the game yes he's talking about the intelligence of Benic Afobe um, I, I, I think probably I mean it probably reinforces your point Aaron that we're, we could be one injury away from not having a decent <laughs> a decent side you know um, I, just, I, I, I think that whole depth issue will come and bite. When you include the cup runs, you include the Elite Cup, the FA Cup. And let's be fair, I, I always say it every single year, the championship, the EFL, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. Yeah. Premier League, you feel sometimes it's a bit of a sprint. Granted, there's eight less games. The championship is a marathon. When you're playing those Tuesday nights in Stoke, in wherever, you know, back in the nowhere, you got Blackpool on a Monday night, you're, you're in trouble. I think... Again, there needs to be reinforcements. I hope, you know, we talk about budget all the time. 
there's clubs out there with far lesser budget that are doing really, really good business. Well, Luton struck me. I mean, I think you, I think you posted Aaron on on, um, on Twitch about some of the business yeah. that Luton are doing. Um, but... That's because of Big Mick. We need to say to Big Mick, soon. Good luck. Ex Millwall man himself. That's really great. sort of sad news. I messaged him. He's in good spirits. You know, he's he's a great guy, a really lovely guy, and it's just sad to hear what's happened. Um, you know, but simple. You, if you're a man, go and get yourself checked out. You know, you need you need to do it. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself checked out. Absolutely. You know, it's easy to take life for granted. I think as blokes, we 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 generally do different. As you well know, sir. As, you as well. I well know, yeah. I mean, it's different. It's a tangent, but it's true. Um, I think you you know, I think the, the problem with with most of us, and I don't I'm speaking for you two, but I'm sure I speak for most male listeners, is that you go through your life thinking you're slightly immortal. And you are not. <laughs> and not it comes, creeps up on you. But anyway, we we we're going far from the path of. Uh, I mean, go, go, just going back season. to Luton's recruitment. I, I I always go on about it because I think their um, approach, the way they scout players, the way they do things, and the way they know they that you know they're, they're scouting players six, seven, eight months before they're about to buy them. Heavily scouting them, not like you know we'll go and watch the old game here and there. They heavily, heavily, heavily know what they're going for. They missed out on a player that went to Scotland. I know that left Sheffield Wednesday sent half. They were really interested in him. But they've got a fantastic spine there. And for people who are sitting there going, they're going to be pushovers, they'll be a hard team to beat. I'm watching the first game of the season. Luton Posh and they'll be very, very good, Luton. I've, I've no fear. It's going to be an interesting season. I mean, I, I, wonder, I wonder if QPR, I mean, I know they, it's only a friendly and we've having said all that we said about pre-season, but to, for them to put, for, you know, a number of goals past Manchester United, that, that, that would imply that they're going to be contenders. Do you, do you think they'll be um, in amongst it this season? Weird, because, you know, over the past few years, QPR have just been a salvage job, haven't they? Mm. Trying to sort of resuscitate themselves. But right now, they look really good. And fair play to Mark Warburton. There was a lot of talk about Warburton leaving last season about how, you know, he was going to go to another gig and stuff like that, but he stuck around. He's built a really decent squad. Charlie Austin, I'm sorry, is going to be the best striker in the league. The, yeah. I mean, these, these are the kinds of business uh, signings, shall we say, that, um, you know, I think we're close at Millwall, but I do think that the, the squad size and depth might find us out. I think it's about depth. Rather than quality, it's about depth because they've got there's a really good starting eleven there. But then when you need to make a change in the game and you're looking at the bench, you know, it's that typical thing. A manager turns around and looks at the players. Who have I got? Tom Bradshaw? Nah. Bob yeah. Arson? No. A lack of a lack of options there, which is worrying. But there are clubs in that division who have done really, really good business. Past, don't forget, there's a lot of players still knocking around and freezing. You know? A hell of a lot of players still out there. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say that that could be like the one silver lining. I know we've not got a massive budget, but as we all know, and we ain't going to keep going over old ground, but with with the COVID situation, there'll be some players who will, who will just have to have to leave cl- clubs so clubs can balance their books a bit better. So there's a chance we we'll get them on a free or a cheap or or, or, a, or a decent loan deal. So, yeah, no, I agree, Aaron. There's some good players knocking about. Gary Rowett is looking at the possibility of transfer window dealings, chaps. I love it. I don't know why it's... It's a rather pompous phrase. He's asking if... Alex Grace is asking if there's going to be any more transfers. And he says, we will look at that possibility. I mean, maybe would do as a reply. But I just like the kind of florid, kind of um, like the pompous tone to that. We will look at that possibility. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Achtung, Mailball. Talk, talking about John Daddy there, Nick. Sorry to cut in. I want to respond. I think it's concerning where... Obviously, we, we, we don't know everything what's going on at Millwall behind the scenes. And, you know, they're not going to tell us even even if they wanted to. But I think if the rumours are true that, or the, the uh, supposed allegations are true, that we are basically just giving him to anyone. Because I think there was people talk that we, we, we was looking like at... Like an old Ford Escort. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and with all due respect, I don't. I, I know, I know, Aaron, that you're, a, you're, a, you're a bit. You've got a bit of a love for AFC Wimbledon, and I, I like AFC Wimbledon as well. But if you're even thinking of going to like an AFC Wimbledon, who budget-wise won't be anywhere near a top of League One, and you're basically trying to say, <laughs> just take him. We don't care what you'll offer us. Just take him, and either they won't take him. Um, there, there is a concern. There is a concern. I've seen, just seen someone do like a random. You know, like you know, you know these people do like our oh, championship predictions. Yeah, this is Millwall twelfth. All they need to do is give John Daddy Bodvarsson a run of games to find form. Who's this? Is this? Mrs. Six. Bodvarsson. Anyway, and they could possibly push top six with that <laughs> one. He's the most talented striker at the club, but he's not given a chance. Another average season. Signed his mum. <laughs> yeah. This this podcast is sponsored by the Bodvarsson family. Oh dear! Someone, no, someone replied to him. You're high. <laughs> You're high. I, I think they are. Um, Nine hundred Millwall went to Ipswich yesterday. I don't know how many. Uh, there was a decent turnout at Gillingham in, in, in midweek there, Michael. Um, seems to be a real. I mean, I, I don't know if you you boys agree. There just seems to be a real hunger generally. I'm not just talking about Millwall here. There's just a real hunger to get back to the the, the football. You know, after what is it a year and a half we've had of this kind of strangers that's nothing kind of scene that we've had get back to normality a thousand tickets being made available for uh oh that was the Ipswich but I mean uh two thousand tickets sorry for uh for Portsmouth to come for the, the Caribou Cup you know there's just a real real hunger at the moment for for action again absolutely absolutely you know people I I, I said this you know a lot of people turn around to me and they're like oh fans won't go back and they'll be Turn the next and one. I said, I, I think the opposite. I think fans are going to realise their love for it again. 
Saturday afternoons without football are not Saturday afternoons. Horrible. And I, for one, you know, I'm just delighted that pre-season's over because for me, that six, seven, eight weeks without football is, it kills me. And I went to football with, with, with no fans and it was horrible. I'll be honest with you. It was Yeah, because you were in the ground, weren't you? The, the, yeah, it was one of the worst. Working. It was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. I can't wait for it. You know, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a little story. When I was at Love Sport, you remember I kept going to Dubai? Mm, you did? I kept going to Dubai. I went to Dubai about three times in three months. I wonder what you're up to. Yeah, well, I can tell you now. <laughs> I was going to, I was uh, speaking to B in sports. Oh, going, were you? Okay. Yeah. Right. Me a job. So I went and I sat there and I was like, I need to think about it. Mm. So I went out, chat to my friends and stuff like that. And I said, no. And they're, they're like, why? You've been based out there in, in Dubai. Yeah. No, no, they said I could live in Dubai or Oman. Yeah. Right. And I was like, if I'm living there, I'll live in Dubai, maybe the city would be amazing. Mm. So I sat there, chilled, whatever, that night. I've gone the next day and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. They've gone, why? You've got no kids, no commitments. And I go, I know. But the reason I do this job, the mm. reason I do it is because. On a Saturday at three o'clock, that noise. Yeah, that the vibe, noise, the, the energy, vibe. yeah. You know, when you're in a ground, the fucking stand shaking because yeah. there's that much noise. That's what I want. I want the smell of fucking, you know, pies and piss, mate. I want to hear people <laughs> complain. I want to see police horses. I want to be parking fucking six and a half miles away from a ground. I have to schlep it that way, that way, there, when the pissing rain. I want it all. I don't <laughs> want to sit in the studio and watch TV and commentate. I want to be there. And that is what it's all for. And you know, Mark Chapman on Five Live calls me a romantic. He always says, you're so romantic. But I love that. I am very romantic. And I'll be honest with you, when I, I went to one of the first games with fans back, so I went to Cambridge United, Fulham under-21s. It was good. Right. Yeah. It was great. But then I went to Norwich. Norwich played someone and there are 2,000 fans at Carrow Road. And honestly, it was very emotional. It was very, very, very emotional. When those, fa- when those players come out to run out, it was unreal. And the noise that 2,000 people can make. So when there's a full ground, I'm going to be like, what the hell? Mate, I'm going down Kenilworth Road on Saturday. Proper shit off, yeah? Yeah, old school, wait. yeah. I'm going to fill them on Sunday. But it'll be a full house. It will be a full house at Fulham on Sunday. It's going to be great. This is what we've waited for for so long. I just can't wait, man. Yeah. I agree. Do you, know, I mean, do you know what the um, do you know what the rumble at three o'clock is going to be now this season? It's going to be all the fans who have uh, drunk the out-of-date piss beer run into the <laughs> toilet just before kickoff to bring it all back up again. I love that. One wonderful, wonderful out of date alcohol for sale at, at Gillingham in midweek. I just thought that was just brilliant. Um that is that is English football and it's most um romantic. I think that's a good word for buyer in a romantic um you know angle. Uh, I mean, one the thing, Ali McCoy speaking during the, the European, I wrote this quote down because I liked it. He, he said it's a different sport with spectators. Um, and it is, isn't it? I mean, we've, you know, we've all watched the, um, the, the endless I follow streams with no one there. And, you know, um, it's yes, it's football, but it's not football as we properly want to see it. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I, I can't make QPR next week, unfortunately. Um, I'm away, but um, my first game will be the Blackburn. Are you, are you going to go to the Caribou Cup game, the midweek one, Michael, or are you, are you saving it for the Saturday? Do you know well, what? You're, you're still, at QPR. Still, you're at QPR. I'm, I'm, I'm at QPR, yeah. We've yeah. got like a little act and meet up, haven't we? And um, yeah, from, the things, right. from, what, from what we see on social media, it seems like everyone and their dog managed to get a ticket, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and do you know what? As, as nice as it was to see a few familiar faces at, um, at Gillingham, it would be good to catch up with everyone properly, like you said, at a league game. Yeah. Pompey, yeah, I'm not too sure about it. still still the eighteen quid. I probably will go. 
one. I, I'm sitting here moaning and groaning about prices of football, but I'll probably go. But no, I just can't wait for the QPR game. I, I, could, I didn't get the um, the Willy Wonka golden ticket that everyone's banging on about online that they managed to get. So I'm in the bottoms here. So yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Like you say, Aaron, it's just going to be good to get down there. It, it is it is a different game without spectators. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure whether it was just the level of the depth as well. I think I only done the eye follow every week because of one, you know, it's, it's watching your team Millwall and two, you know, you obviously want to try and financially support. But I watched very little football last last uh, last season due to the fact there was no fans there, no real atmosphere. And yeah. I think what you're saying about Ali McCoy's comments there, that's what made the Euros even more magical was the fact there was actually fans back. Yeah. And yeah, that added to it yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to all like you say, Aaron, I'm I'm looking forward to all again the the queuing up for like the the hot dogs and the games starting and all that stuff. It's gonna be great fun. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Lads, yesterday there was a lot of football on. I noticed that on social media, a lot of people were going to football yesterday. And I sat there and I'm like, you know what? It's kind of, it's, it felt back. Yesterday felt back. It felt like that first day of the season yesterday because I'm looking on social media, everyone's talking about how they're going to this game, they're going to that game, they're going there, they're going there, they're going there, wherever. Yeah. You know, I know Fulham, Brentford and Wimbledon were all playing. So I was going, to, I was actually going to South West London yesterday. I was had tickets to Wimbledon, couldn't go. Friends, uh, a friend was on the leaving party and said, I said, you know what? On any other Saturday, it wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be coming, but, you know, it's pre-season. I'll, I'll come to your even party. Mate, trying to get from, from where I am to to Southwest London took ages, and then you look at it. Fulham had to put kick-off to four o'clock. Wimbledon had to delay kick-off because, I, I don't know. Actually, they're new ground there. They're, they're, new well, they're, lane, they're, they? they're in power lane, but, yeah. you know, there was so much traffic. There was so much traffic. Brentford at home against West Ham. Fulham at home. Wimbledon at home. All these clubs are playing friendlies. One thing I've noticed as well, and I don't know if this is just me, if anyone else has noticed, do, do, do email us or give us a call on that number. Yeah, do let us know. Do you think, having looked at social media and how clubs are operating, that they've kind of forgotten what they're doing? Because for me, I feel clubs are very unorganised now. Compared to where they were before, where it's a three o'clock kickoff, we're ready, we're this, we're this, we're this. Clubs now are like, right, well, yeah, there's this issue and that issue and that issue. I think clubs are going to struggle to sort of, you know, bed in. They need that sort of running in service, if you like, where they 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 possibly can yeah. how they feel again. Because again, like I've just seen so many kickoffs move. I've seen a lot of people complain about timings, about how stuff's not ready in grounds. How you know it's kind of just it's been adapted and it hasn't been adapted back properly. So it will be interesting to see how everyone kind of reviews things next Saturday if the Angelo oh. is cold. Um, when you when you go back to the den, you know. Um... I want to see if the bird shit's been removed from my little corner up there in block one. Um, I'm I'm expecting it to be the same, the same droppings that they've always been there. The pigeons would have had an easy easy time for you know eighteen months, wouldn't they? Um, I think you're right. I, th- I think it's been a long time, Aaron, and uh, you know it's 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 strange how you can get out of the habit. And I think that um, you know. Uh, there's there's a, there's a there's a psychological argument that we are all only the sum total of our habits, and that's that's who you are as a person. Um, and it's easy to break a habit, so you know it's it's going to be interesting going back on a regular basis to football. I haven't done that for a year and a half now, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, I mean, will clubs be ready for it? I don't know. I think they, I mean, in some ways, the as we saw the um, the European Cup, uh, Champions Cup final with the, with the um, England v Italy. I don't think Wembley were exactly ready for 
what <laughs> the return of fans because it was mayhem. So you know, I do wonder whether that's going to happen elsewhere, and in, in you know, as as the as the season unfolds. But we we will see. I'm going to take a little break and listen to Michael's audio from Gillingham. A bit of real football for you, dear listeners. And when we come back, I've got two items. I just want to run past the boys. I'll be right back. Achtung, Mailball. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, Franz Ferdinand is playing, and we are back in a football stadium, ladies and gentlemen, with no restrictions, no masks, no you name it, and still no sanitizer, which I think for Gillingham they could have had anyway. Franz Ferdinand is playing, as you can hear. Danny McNamara has taken a couple of uh, sort of free kicks in the warm-up. Jake Cooper's somewhere he's advancing the ball like a like a basketball, and Alex Pierce is doing a little warm-up as well, followed by Matt Smith. It's great to be back. Millwall fans are here. Not long now till kick-off. A good starting line-up from Millwall for this game with Gillingham. Coming your lines. So what, we quarter of an hour in. I'm doing a voice note. Quarter of an hour in, and yeah, 20 yards out. Strike from the little number eight. Hit it quite nicely. Gillingham's first real chance of the half in the game. Just outside the box after a little bit of backwards and forwards. Off the post, beat Bart. Nothing you can really do about that. 1-0 Gillingham, the bastards. Half-time here at Priestfield, and you wouldn't think there was a pandemic, really. Not because of the people in the crowd, but Millwall's got us back to that pre-COVID level of enjoyment. Uh, one real chance for Gillingham, and not really a lot from Millwall except for a deflected effort from a phobe, would you agree, chaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, about it. Yeah. Yeah, about it. Um, first quarter of an hour was pretty good, pretty lively, got stuck in, but not sure whether it's the heat and maybe too much uh, too much sangria on their Spanish holidays in the Costa del Sol, but they did seem to blow out a puff pretty quickly. Uh, the biggest round of applause was George Saville in the number 17 coming to warm up, but boo hiss. The players weren't allowed to talk to the kids here who have uh, got signs up saying, Cooper, can I have your shirt, please? Is it the Millwall we know? Don't know. Big second half. Come on, you guys. One all here at Priestfield after Millwall scored from a corner kick. Uh, the corner came over nicely, floated over brilliantly. Uh, Matt Smith with the knockdown and Jake Cooper from about two, three yards out. Oh, Cooper's just been fouled there himself. But Jake Cooper... Two, three yards out, um, heading it home, uh, keeper beaten. Wouldn't necessarily say it was coming, because I don't think we've done a lot in the final third, but for someone who was having a very, very, very suspect start to the second half, Matt Smith's actually been knocking the ball down and getting some good flicks on in the last 20, 25 minutes. Uh, our only problem is there's not really been anyone reading it, and that's a tactic we used last season in emergency situations. Matt Smith knocked down in the pre-season friendly against the League One side is a bit concerning. We've just won another corner, not long to go. Come on, So it's full time here at Priestfield and it finishes Gillingham 1, Millwall 1. I do think the Jake Cooper goal does paper over a bit of a crack and we don't want to be too negative with only, what, the first, second um, game of pre-season or definitely the first with fans back. Um, but, yeah, we're going to need to do a lot of work to to actually uh, push for the top six, as Mr Nick Hart thinks, um, because that wasn't that wasn't great. Um, no, nothing really in the final third as usual. There were some positives. Ballard had a good game, I felt. Um, Malone looked incredibly sharp. Uh, 
Evans again looked good, um, as I think he did all last season, carried that over. Leonard looked fit again. Uh, and, you know, I don't think really, apart from their goal, Gillingham really, really um, tested us, but we didn't really test them neither. We are struggling in the final third. Um, Afobe ran well and played well, um, but didn't really test too much. And Bradshaw, I'm not sure what's happening there, but he looks really, really off the pace. Maybe it could be the lingering injury. Um, question marks are, um, for me, there was a lot of time that Thompson was given. Um, he put in a good shift. Um, Pierce was given a long, long hour um, when you had Jake Cooper on the bench. Not sure why he was given so much time. If he needs the time, he needs the fitness, and he's not clearly fit enough for championship level while playing. But the main thing I'll take from the game, look, fans are back. That's the main thing. It was a good atmosphere. Millwall fans are top class. There was children there enjoying the game, adults there enjoying the game. Fans are back. That's the main thing. Come on, guys. Just to interject on the show a moment, if I may, dear listeners, I received an email uh, from Millwall fan Robert Woodford, who is a qualified London cabbie and, and London guide. And Rob is organising a walkabout, a Millwall History Walkabout and Heritage Day on the 4th of September, starting from West India Quay Station at 11am on Saturday the 4th of September. And it's going to be covering the origins of the club that we love, Millwall, um, in Docklands, a couple of the pubs, the George, and of course the Lord Nelson, including the sites of the former grounds and local history along the way. It sounds like an utterly, an utterly fantastic event. Um, I'm going to put a link to buy tickets, £12.50 um, from the from Eventbrite. I'll stick that Eventbrite link in the show notes and in Twitter and the social media. Um, sounds like a really interesting day out. So Saturday, the 4th of September, Mill History and Heritage Day with Mill fan qualified guide Robert Woodford. Rob Woodford. And sounds like a really cracking day out. I wish I'd thought of doing it, actually. Now you've said that, Rob. Thanks for letting me know that. And now, back to the show. Achtung, Mailball. Welcome back, dear listeners. Um... Aaron, you might know a little bit more about this than most. Derby County are in all sorts of trouble, aren't they? I couldn't let the episode pass without dwelling a little bit on Derby County. It's financial problems. It's managerial problems. It's it's just general existence. I mean, if, you, if you're ever going to do a soap opera, you could call it Derby, couldn't you? I mean, well, it's, well, it's wonderful me, stuff. Put it this way. Oh, this is the level of fuck they are. I went on Skybet the other day to see what price they are to get relegated. They're not even listed. Are they not? They're not even listed. They've listed 23 teams. Black- not even give, you can't even get a price for them. You can't get a wow. price for Derby to get relegated. They are in big, big, big trouble. Now, they're, they're going <laughs> to... I just I don't even know where to start with them. Like they, The takeover's not going to happen. He's not going to have any money to spend. He'll get no. sacked. He can't even field a team, he was saying. He can't field a team. Uh... They're trying to offer Phil Jagielka a deal. Mm. Trying to offer Richard Stearman Richard Stier- Richard a deal. If they had Phil Jagielka and uh, Curtis Davis at the back, their back line will have a combined age of 84. <laughs> I think <laughs> 74, 74, 74. Maybe I'd have a chance if I go up. <laughs> oh. I mean, a combined age of 84. Something crazy like that. Um, they haven't got any strikers. They, Martin Waghorn's gone. They've just, they've got no players. That club 
package on its knees. But it teaches the story, doesn't it, of an owner who a lot of people sort of had as market as this hero because he's a local boy, he's a Derby fan, you know, he's made a, a lot of money on um, on apps and, and sort of like digitally. You know, he was going to be this kind of savior who was going to be the one to take Derby to the Premier League. And the funny thing about Derby is, you know, we sit and we think about it and we talk about it and read. Don't forget their most consistent period mm. was in the 90s under Jim Smith. Yeah, the Bald Eagle. You remember the Bald Eagle? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Good manager, yeah, yeah. You know, and he kept that club going by the early phases of Moneyball. He was buying in players from all sorts of places. Italy, there are players like Stefano Aranio, Branco Strupa, uh, Connor Blastis, all these players coming in. And it was a ter- the very high turnover of players constantly. Then obviously they lost patience with them. They got relegated. And that's when the shit set in. They had a really bad financial time during the mid-2000s. And then they kind of recover themselves. Obviously, they got to the Premier League. They got relegated again. They financial trouble again. Mel Morris is coming. Now, when he come in with his candy crush money, I think it was, everyone's like, yeah, he's going to be great. And he spent it. You know, when you've got a forward line of, of Darren Bent and Chris Martin and Martin Waggon and all these players, who are on a decent wage? You've got a midfielder, Tom Huddleston and Joe Ledley. This is money. This is money. And he's broke his back trying to get that club to the Premier League. But, you know, I think he got to the point where he's like, I've spent so much money. And he was at fault. Don't get me wrong. He was at fault, Mel Morris. He, he spent so much money. What more do I put in now? What do I do? A lot of people said he had he had an itchy trigger finger. I, I think that is very, very true. He loves sacking managers. You know, Gary Rowett was a... was a, that, uh, Yeah, he was a casualty there, wasn't he? Rowett. You know, you think about some of the managers that have been through there. Paul Clement, Steve McLaren twice. Yeah. Frank Lampard's been there. Philip Cocu's been there. Um, you know, there are so many people that have tried it with Arvin, tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. They haven't managed to do it. And now they are on their knees. You know, at one point, around sort of um, uh, about five years ago, they hired a guy called Sam Rush as their CEO, who had a lot of extensive knowledge in like American sports, the way they market things, the way they do things. So if you look at Pride Park, it's a new build ground. It's a bit of an Ikea ground. For me, it's the best out of the Ikea grounds. This guy was wanted to make money so bad. Imagine, in Pride Park, built in, they've got a Subway, a Greg's, and a Starbucks coffee. Inside the stadium? In, in... Inside the ground. You can just walk up. It's like a branch. Okay. Inside the ground. If you look at the main stand, the way the boxes are laid out is like a very, very American baseball style. Yeah. And everything is sponsored, mate. The tunnel's sponsored. The gangways are sponsored. The flipping steels are sponsored. That's sponsored. That's sponsored. <laughs> They've made so much money off this business. But now they want out because it's hemorrhaging money hand over foot. They've got FFP complications. They can't spend anything. So the deal they're on now with, with the EFL is very simply, they, um, they can sign free agents on a wage cap. I don't know what that wage cap is, but there's got to be some sort of wage cap in place. Or they can sign loans until Christmas, until January. They're in trouble. They are in so much trouble. It's unreal. And truth be told, if you were Derby and you had the chance to go down last year, you should have gone down last year. You would have wanted to go down last year because Wednesday, on the other hand, under Darren Moore, mate, the signings they're making are unbelievable. The fact that they can get Bailey Peacock-Farrell, the goalkeeper from Burnley, and persuade him to come and play League One football. They're going to go somewhere Wednesday. It's uh, it's a sad sight to see these clubs spinning out of control. I mean, Derby obviously are a name. I'm old enough to remember Derby being champions of the Football League in the early 70s under 
Brian Clough, of course. But um, it's also makes you, I don't know how you feel about this, Michael, but, you know, we, we spent a bit of time earlier on in the show talking about maybe we don't have a squad big enough and maybe we don't have the strikers, maybe... The... <sighs> We're a well-run club. We we have a chairman that we we will only probably many of us will only come to value him truly when he's not here anymore because then you'll see some of the other alternatives. But I think John Berylson has is is certainly the best chairman of, of Millwall in my time. I can't I mean I'd include possibly even Reg Burr in that from the eighties. Um, it, it gives you some sense of the value of having a structure and and stable management. It can be a bit boring sometimes, but. Look at what excitement can bring you at Derby. You know, it's it's it's, it's quite a contrast, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And and I'm like you, Nick. I mean, to uh, to a degree, and with all due respect, I'm obviously I've not got your years, but I'm I'm a bit of the easy, traditionalist. Easy. I remember, yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago when when people were saying about teams who have just recently been in the Premier League, and and it's again, it always sounds like I'm bashing up this football manager generation, but. You'd see online people were saying like Bournemouth and Stoke, yeah. uh, histo- a, 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 a oh. bigger club. Throw Cholton um, into a, a the bigger mix. club. You know, they're, 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 yeah, they're, yeah. they've suffered, haven't they? Yeah. And, 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 you know, you've got these clubs where they're saying these teams, oh, they're, they're bigger than they're some of the biggest teams of all time. And it's like you can list at least five, maybe five to ten teams in the championship who historically and just what they've given to the game over the years, who if you want to go by heritage and size and history and fan bases and what they've won automatically get a pass into the Premier League through their history and Derby are one of them so when you see a team like Derby and they're in that situation like like you say like the Brian Clark days and I believe it was the year after they made the semi-final of the European Cup they got knocked out by Juventus they did it? yeah um, so, so you know so it wasn't as if it was like a, a one year thing they did alright next year as well but it's just a shame when you see these big names and they're just so badly run and I know what you mean about John Berylson. We've I've I've lost count the amount of times we praised how good a chairman John Berylson is on this pod on other pods and and in the in the in the fan base. But those I feel sorry for. It's, it's the young fans of football as well that I feel sorry for. It's, it's the young Derby County fans who are now seeing their team just absolutely in the shit. And and it's like you said, Aaron, as well with with the way they're allowed to sign players now. I believe, isn't it? I'm, I mean, I could be wrong, so do correct me, Aaron. Aren't they saying they've got to be allowed to sign players because of the mental pressure it could put on the young players if they were forced to put the youth, youth players, players they have to the field, field, yeah. feeling that they're allowed to have up to 23 players? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Know, just to take part yeah. in the competition, you'd need enough. I mean, I, I, I get that argument. I mean, how, whether, it, whether it would hold up in any kind of legal sense, I don't know. But. Um, I can get that from a human sense that if you're going to put kids into a 46-game program in the championship, you're asking a lot of them, aren't you? And the pressure that would come with that. It's, um, well, it happened with Bolton. It happened with Bolton in League One. They put they put their young kids out, and they were just getting absolutely turned over every single week, weren't they? Well, I was just going to say all, all this, and we still haven't touched on Wayne Rooney's night out. And the night oh, night. sorry, yeah, yeah. I was and, just and the, and the Premier Inn. You know, we haven't even <laughs> we haven't even gone there, have we? Allegedly, allegedly. How he he pays up, isn't it amazing how he pays up? Like when he's under pressure, he pays up like that. He now, must, um, yeah. You know, I just I, I I don't think he'll be there for much longer, personally. Um, but I was also looking at their fixtures. They got Huddersfield, which is a game they need to win. You know, imagine straight away saying that's a six-pointer. <laughs> Huddersfield first day of the season. Salford, which is a slippery one, 
in the League Cup. You know, in the League Cup. Posh away, Hull away, Borough. Then they've got the big one against Forest on the 28th of August. Some big fixtures in there. Got some big fixtures. I mean, Salford beat them last week in the preseason. They beat Real Betis. They beat Notts County. But Notts County, don't forget, are a non-league team. You yeah, know, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. sadly. I yeah. just really wonder, but I look at their squad and some of the quality they had in it. You know, Craig Forsyth, Richard Keogh, Chris Baird, Andy, Andrew Wisdom, Alex Pierce, remember him, Marcus Olsen, Curtis Davis, Casey Palmer, yeah. Ketchyanya, Bradley Johnson, George Thorne. I was just looking at George Thorne and looking at his career. You know, he went for big money from, from West Brom to Derby and it just never worked out because he had so many injuries. Uh, Tom Huddleston, Tom Lawrence, Andrew, Andy Vyman, Matej Vidra, Bryson, Martin, Bent. There's so many names in there. And with all due respect to that squad, they underachieved so badly. Yeah, that squad should have destroyed the league. Destroyed the league. And gone up and been quite comfortable in the Premier League. Stayed up quite nicely. There we are, Derby. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, opening few weeks in the Championship, that's for sure. Um, I just wanted to close us, boys, if I may, with something that caught my eye. Um, it's kind of gone slightly under the radar. Um, new heading guidance by the EFL. There are now restrictions on the number of headers that players can undertake in training um, because, obviously, the the linkage with um, later life um, Alzheimer's and, and brain damage later on in life is, is becoming increasingly hard to ignore. Um and I go around in circles a little bit on this because on the one hand, we have the game that we love and have loved all of our lives and it has a, a format and a look. And then there's this kind of nagging um, sense of doubt that maybe you're destroying human lives as a consequence of, of your sporting pleasure. Um, this is not an issue that's going to go away, Aaron. And I think that we're going to see changes to the rules of the game itself in time. How do you see this uh, this heading issue i mean i think i think uh if they're gonna sort of restrict things they should do it from a younger age rather than top of the game do it from a younger age where you know people are sort of less developed effectively yeah i think maybe could, could we look at a change in ball technology as well is there a potential for that you know um that there are a whole bunch of avenues got to look at but i think from a younger age it's got to start with the actual game itself i don't think it'll ever change it I honestly, don't. I, I, I hope not, and yet I don't know whether I'm whether I'm you know I'm I'm inflicting something on other people. I mean, Michael, you're involved in well refereeing, as we can see on, on on the screen at the moment. But you know the the restrictions on training will be where it starts. Ten apparently ten higher force headers are the the um, guidelines, which are balls that have been kicked for I think it's more than thirty meters, so they would like a cross or a kick forwards from a goalkeeper, a, a ball that's been kicked at some pace, these will be restricted in training. Not in open play so far, um, but I wonder where this ends. It's, it's, yeah, as I said, I don't see it going away, do you? Um, I think the not problem, because whenever you highlight things that could help save lives or keep lives longer, it's obviously a good thing, but there is mounting evidence now that heading footballs obviously causes problems um, without trying to get into too much of sort of personal lives on, on our show because we don't really do that too much. But my my son had a, a condition a couple of years ago where he had to have um, MRI scans on his head and things like that. And I remember saying, he was at King's College, and I remember saying to the sort of uh, neuro doctor, oh, so he should be all right to like header a football again, ha, 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 you know, mm. like things you sort of say. 
and this was literally four or five years ago now. So this was well before this all started coming up now. And even he said he went as a neurosurgeon and as a neuro doctor, the first thing I'd advise you to do is never header a football if you're a child. And mm. that was before there was all this research. Um, I think, as you say, Aaron, when you're training children, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if their brains and their skulls are, are sort of soft bone and not developed enough yet, the last thing you want to do is have them heading footballs for like half hours every every Tuesday to see how, how well they commit to headers. In a game, it's different. Yes, absolutely. But no, I, I don't think it will go away. I think it will linger in the background, but I do think you will get some old old fashioned heads, if you will, who who still who still want to uh, who still want wants head the ball. It's a controversial subject, but one thing I will say, if you can track it down, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but just watch that Alan Shearer documentary he did a few years ago. Yeah. Um, when it when it was about headering the football, I can't remember. I think it was his manager at Southampton. Um, he met up with him in the pub, didn't he? Have you either of you two seen this documentary? I've, I've seen, I've, I've heard of it, I haven't seen, I haven't watched it. Um, right, I, I, I believe it was his manager at Southampton. He said there was one point where he's totally fine. They're having a normal chat. It was his manager, someone Alan Shearer looked up with. And then he said at one point he was driving home and he forgot where he lived. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't remember where he lived. And he put it down to header in a football. Um, but I don't think, I'm, I'm labouring a point, I don't think it's mainly to do with just football. It's been looked at everywhere. It's been looked at rugby, rugby when it comes to the with football, the tackles. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there obviously is there is something there. There is something there, and do I think it will change the rules? No, I don't think it will change the rules of the game. But I think it will change, like you say, Nick, how you train and how you prepare. Certainly, that's what the guidelines relate to, and it's going to be something that um, well, well, we'll monitor that obviously as it goes along. Um, the game that we love is what it looks like what it does and um, hopefully it will continue but um, it's a difficult one it's a difficult one there we are uh, Aaron you want you wanted to mention a cabbie I believe oh the cabbie of the week yeah so cabbie um, of the week so I take a lot of cabs and I, I find out that there's a lot of cab drivers that are Millwall fans yeah, a lot of them feel quite disconnected from from Millwall you know they're, they're, they're older school fans and you know, they don't enjoy going down and then I always obviously mention the pod and stuff and they're amazed and they 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 love it, you know, when 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 I you know sort of talk about it and stuff. So um yeah, I just wanna give a shout out to Darren of Peckham this week. Darren he of Peckham this week in his in his lovely I think it was a it was an electric cab, I think he had. I can't okay. remember. I'll drive so many, I can't remember which one it is. But yeah, um, yeah, Darren of Peckham. Yeah, he, uh, he said he's gonna get. Oh yeah, no, it's electric cab. He's got on the new, beautiful cab, by the way, like electric one, <laughs> lovely. It's got a giant iPad screen in it. He said he's gonna get his daughter to program the pod on it so that you can listen to the podcast. And uh, and so yeah, you know, he was listening to Magic Soul when I got in. That's all right. No, nothing no wrong with Magic. With but, no. You know, easy listening for the over fifties. Um, but you know, come on, man, you've got to get on the pod, Darren. So Darren and Peckham, you're our cabbie of the week, mate. Big shout out to Darren of. Peckham, um, well, welcome well, to the show, out, by the way, um, Nick, um, the EFL season preview, five live sport, live on Friday night, the Friday Football Social with me, I don't know who else with, uh, but yeah, the Friday Football Social with me on Friday, five live sport, we're going to be previewing the whole season, we'll see if we get any more guests on, we're going to try, see what I can do, um, but yeah, give us a listen. Absolutely, and that, that'll be podcasted as well as podcasted, of course radio on the, on the wireless. Live, 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 and podcasted. I guess afterwards. So, tune in Radio Five. Aaron Paul, just search for him on on the on the website. He's always out there. 
And Michael, just to close us, mate, we're um, we're going to try and do a little bit of a I don't, is it a link up, a little a little bit of a following of Erif Town this season, mate, aren't we? We're going to try and um, keep tabs on one of your one of your local sides, I think, isn't it, Erif? Yeah, well, we we sort of touted the idea, didn't we, as a sort of kind of like a non-league review, just to um, follow them a little teams. bit. Yeah, 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 just to just to see how they get on. Um, obviously, there's some Millwall fans who who nip down to Fisher. Um, I'm sort of right slap bang in the middle of Erif Town and Erif and Belvedere and you see some Mill fans go down there and they're also in the same league as well. So we thought that we'd, um, or it was Nick Nick's brainchild that I'm sort of running with, um, that we would sort of cover the, le- the league that they're in, how they're getting on and, you know, if we can get down to games, have a few words and little match reports and how it's getting on, we'll do that kind of thing because if there are sort of Fisher supporting listeners of the pod who are obviously are Mill fans as well, it'd be good to have a little listen to see our how the local teams are getting on. And I don't know if um, any listeners saw, but Fisher, Erith Town and Erith and Belvedere all won their first game of the season last, um, last over the weekend. So, yeah, I'll be down there for the Erith Derby. There oh, we are. There we are. There we are. It'll be... Oh, the Erith Ultras is going to be there. Who's that? The Erith Ultras. <laughs> <laughs> With their banners. <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be there. <laughs> they'll, they'll be hiding around the Iceland, around the corner, waiting where, to where jump out. But um, it's a sports centre ground. So, um, yeah, so Erith um, and Belvedere play at um, Parkview Road, which is where Wellington yep. um, um, play. Um, so that's quite easy to get to for a lot of mill fans. Um, nice ground as well, obviously. And the one difference as well is, unlike Wellington, they don't charge you £2 extra to sit down. Um, which well in do, but um, Erith Town they play at um, Bexley Athletic Club, which is just um, around the corner from Erith Station. Okay. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting people to clamber down to um, or stop going mill to go watch Erith Town, but I know the chairman reasonably well. He's a great guy, really, really, uh, really, really keen on mill and sort of followers to say we are. Same with Erith and Belvedere as well. So there's ever games where Millwall are away and you can't get to midweek example, fixtures yeah. game, you know we're only yeah. midweek fixtures as well if there's ever games you can't get to nip down to um, Irishan Irish Belvedere um, and Fisher as well so and, and let us know how they get on but yeah we'll be we'll be uh, sort of having a five minute slot we'll let you know how they get on. great stuff gentlemen we've reached the end of my agenda um, I'm really looking forward to the start of the season next week but I think we can't close today's show without a score prediction for QPR versus Millwall. Aaron, how do you see that one going? One one. One all. I think that's a that's a one very, inch. A very, very uh, cautious judge there. Uh, Michael, what do you what do you think? Four all. Four <laughs> with a Benicophobia hat trick. No, I'm only joking. No, <laughs> Benicophobia hat trick, yeah. Matt Smith and stuff. Oh, no, I'm, I'm gonna go uh Let's be, let's be quietly optimistic. Uh, 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 QPR nil Millwall won. But yeah, that's being I, optimistic. No, I, 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 I fancy I fancy it to be a manic um, Millwall day out. It's uh, checking into Loftus Road is always a bit like getting into or out of Guantanamo Bay high security prison. Um, so I, I can see it being a high high energy afternoon. Um, I think that the mania will prevail, and I think we'll win it. Um, you've had one nil, so I'm going to go two one Millwall. I'll go two one Millwall. Just to, uh, so we've got a range of scores there. So fingers crossed. Thank you, Aaron Paul. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the show this afternoon. 
and we will be back i hope uh, i'm away next week so i can't go to qpr um if if there we have wi-fi when i'm away going? i might where are we going we're going to the wilds of somerset with the family oh, it's, it's, it's a postponed 60th birthday thing from last year um i'm hoping we've got wi-fi if we have wi-fi then i'll try and put a show out next week but I'll, i'm going to wait and see what it's like and whether they, awesome. the countryside um you know is is, is is in the year 2021 which we'll see but one way or the other we'll be back in time for the 14th of august the uh, first the return of football to the den league football to the den so until then from michael it's goodbye cheerio chaps and from aaron it's good night and it's good night from him. Thank you for listening. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.